Shalom, Meshpocha. This is Sid Roth. Meshpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with the Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with a very supernatural guest. And now, here's your host for this program. It's supernatural television producer, Donna Chavez. Thank you, Sid, and thank you all for joining us today. I'm Donna Chavez, and you are about to hear the most astonishing supernatural story of healing ever. Actually, I was in tears, I was in awe and amazement as I read about this miracle. Our guest was only 22 years old when he was told that he only had 10 hours to live. No cure, no hope, the end. He and his wife are leaders of the International Ministry Healing for the Nations. Please welcome Brian Wills. Hi, Brian. Hi there. It's great to be on the program. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I, I, I can't say enough about how moving and impactful your story is and the fact that you tell it with complete instructions for other people, too, so that they know how to apply this to their own lives. So I was just I was just amazed. But I really want to just jump in at the beginning, if that's okay with you. Now, I know you were you were a young tennis coach and what I call a rising star <laughs> when you were there. And and you were actually preparing to join the professional circuit in Europe. What happened, Brian? Uh, yes, I had graduated from college as a nationally ranked player and I always had a dream of um, playing the satellite circuit, which is basically the minor leagues on the tennis tour. But uh, I was one day away from leaving, and I had a pain in my uh, abdomen, and um, I felt like I needed to go in and see the doctor. And so uh, when the doctor examined me, he said, well, maybe you have a, a kidney stone or appendicitis. Yes. So I was admitted to the hospital, and and uh, so the doctors began to run uh, a number of tests, and uh, one day led to another day to another day. And then finally, uh, after nine days of being in the hospital, uh, the wa a doctor walked in my room and said, young man, I've got bad news to tell you. You've got one of the fastest growing cancers in the world. Uh, you have a tumor uh, in your abdomen, and um, this type of cancer is very deadly. Uh, it usually kills uh, children within a day, and and uh, and it's uh, sometimes the tumors double in size every four to eight hours. Oh. And so uh, there's, I'm just, he said, I'm very very sorry, but um, you know this this there's no cure, uh, and um, and so uh, when our family when we when we heard the news, first of all, I was in shock. I was like. Um, this can't be happening. I, you know, here I am, 22 years of age. I, right. I thought I was in the best shape of my life. Um, I was getting ready to, uh, one day away from leaving to play tennis in Europe and um, fulfill a dream of a lifetime. And so, you know, just like that, um, my whole world kind of shattered. And so I was, I was in shock. But, uh, uh, but thank God for the. I had been raised as a Christian, and our family uh, had been exposed to miracles before. Yes. And so I just remember my mother, 
you know, um, after the doctor left the room, she said, you know, uh, whose report do we believe? Wow. And so, so yes, so at 22 years of age, you know, that's not on your radar screen that, you know, you're going to be diagnosed with cancer, especially terminal incurable cancer. Not at all. And let me, let me just, so that the people listening uh, can maybe get a visual here, because I know sometimes it's hard when you're listening, but when you got to the hospital and they made your diagnosis and said that it was terminal, and you talked about it being fast-growing. While you were there just in that couple of days, uh, what was the growth that you saw, and how would you describe that so that people would understand that? Uh, so at first they thought I had a kidney stone or appendicitis, and then the doctors told me I had a tumor the size of a golf ball. Okay. Um, and um, and so at that point, the doctor said there's only three hospitals in the world that are used to seeing this type of disease, this type of cancer. And so uh, we told the doctor we'd like to, as a family, that we'd like to go home and just pray and have our church prayer uh, praying for us. And so we did. So we spent that weekend. Um, my church prayed for me. We were praying uh, we, I, I actually had Charles and Francis Hunter come and pray for me. Oh, and yes. Another healing evangelist come and pray for me. And, and so, like, this entire weekend, I thought, well, surely with all these healing evangelists, surely with all these prayers, you know, that, that I would be healed. However, over the next, over those three days, um, I kept getting worse. Hmm. And so, um, by um, Tuesday morning of the following week, uh, I was transported to another hospital in Maryland, the National Institute of Health or the National Cancer Institute. And so when I arrived there, I was in a very life-threatening situation. My uh, my kidneys were failing. Uh, the, the cancer then had grown from the size of a golf ball to the size of a basketball. Mm. Um, and so it was there at NIH, the doctors shook their head and they they, they simply walked out the room and uh, my parents got up and followed them down the hallway and the doctors just simply said, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing that medical science can do. Your, your son is dying. Um, it's Tuesday morning. You know, uh, you need to make the funeral arrangements now because your son won't be alive by Friday. Wow. Wow. And so when my parents came back uh, into the room, my, that's when my mother opened up to Isaiah 53, and she read the scripture, whose report do we believe? We believe the report of the Lord. Uh, and so it was really at that moment, um, uh, our family decided that uh, we, were, we made a choice. We were going to believe the report of the Lord over any other report, over any medical report, over any doctor's report, we're going to believe the report of the Lord over over anything else. And so I was um, admitted to the hospital that day to NIH, and I was put on the 13th floor. And uh, we didn't know it at the time, but the 13th floor was known as the floor of the incurables, mm. uh, the floor of death. Uh, and so uh, people were just put on that floor just to uh, die or to, you know, they, they had, the doctors had given them no cure. And yes. so um, 
I just remember as I was on that floor, um, I was listening. I was uh, watching uh, patients. I was listening to nurses. And and um, and the one thing that I noticed is that everyone was talking the problem. Mm. Everyone was uh, talking their sickness, talking their disease, and people were making funeral arrangements. And um, and so I realized I I was on a floor of it, it just felt like it was so hopeless. Mm. It was a floor of despair of death. And um, and so uh, you know when when we were given that diagnosis, I remember I I began to open up my Bible um, and. Um, I looked out of my my hospital window, and it was like uh, imagining a, a football game, and um, it was a two minute warning, you know. Yes. And I was I was down by two touchdowns, and and, and I realized at that moment I was coming to the end of my rope. Uh, that without God's help, God's intervention, you know, that I was going to die. And so it was really at that moment as I began to open my Bible and I began to talk to Lord, I. I call it my foxhole prayer. Yes, yes. Um, I, I said to Lord, I said, Lord, if you'll heal me, if you'll get me out of this situation, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go to. And, and you know, in that, in that prayer was out of um, sincerity, but it was also out of kind of desperation and frustration. Because, you know, I was frustrated because I, I couldn't figure out, well, why I wasn't healed. Because, you know, I had so many people praying for me. I had healing evangelists who had come pray for me, and I had I felt the power of God go through my body, and I was like, "Well, it's a, this doesn't make sense to me, you know? Why why am I not healed?" And so I was having this prayer and this discussion with the Lord, and and um, and then I just just like that, as I as I yielded to to the Lord's presence, the the, the Holy Spirit, this inward voice said to me, He said, "Brian, if you do the steps that I tell you to take." Then your healing will manifest, and and I I tell you what when I when I heard that inward voice of the Lord, um, it was it was as if Jesus had walked into my hospital room. Now I didn't see Jesus with my physical eyes, but I certainly felt His presence. And it was that clear to you. It was that clear that you knew what He was saying. Yes. So. Immediately, I thought, "Well, steps. What do you mean, steps? Like, oh, there's something that I'm supposed to do. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that healing isn't just automatic." Or, uh, and I was like, "Steps, okay." And so, um, and so, I said, "Okay, Lord. Well, what's what's the first step?" And and that began a journey, really, for me, of um, of coming to know the Holy Spirit in a more personal way. You know, and I tell people today, I said, the Holy Spirit um, is our helper. The Holy Spirit will lead us. He will guide us. And he'll lead us out of sickness into healing. Uh, and so uh, so I said to, to the Holy Spirit, I said to the Lord, so what's the first step? And I knew immediately. Uh, nobody had to tell me, but I just knew in my heart uh, that I had some unforgiveness and um uh, and my mind was saying, but, you know, that was a, a long time ago, or, you know, I would not know how to reach that person. And and then uh, as I just stayed listening to the Holy Spirit, it was like this phone number dropped into my spirit. And I was like, what, you know, like, what, you know what, that almost sounds like that 
person's phone number, you know. And so I reached over and I, I picked it. I, I said, well, that's definitely the right area code, you know. So I reached over and I picked up the phone and I dialed that number. And sure enough, the person that I needed to talk to um, picked up the phone. And uh, and so it was right then that I was able to talk to that person and get my heart right with them. Uh, and so, um, so I just remember I, I hung up the phone and it felt like the weight of the world had lifted off my shoulders. Wow. And I just knew that the Lord was with me. And and then it was within hours that the nurses came in my room and they were like, hey, wait a minute, your your kidneys are functioning again. <laughs> your kidneys are working again. And to them, it was a, it was a huge surprise and shock. So I said, okay, okay, I got it. I got it. So the, the Lord said, if I would do the steps that he gives me to take, that my healing would manifest. Yes. Yes. So, so you said, what's the first step? You got the first step. This, this phone. Well, then I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. For, I said, Lord, what's the second step, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so what was the answer when you said, well, okay, what's the second? So the second step, the, he just, the Lord showed me in my heart that I had been working a job for you know the last nine months and I hadn't been tithing and he reminded me of the scripture that uh, he said you know bring, bring the tithes uh, you know into the store and I will rebuke the devourer mm. on your behalf and I thought wow okay I I need the devourer to to be rebuked and if right. and the Lord said he would rebuke the devourer on my behalf yes and so um, I ended up calling my parents and I asked my father listen i Need you to take, you know, this much money out of my bank account, and need you to give it to the Lord. And so I'm glad that God answers on credit. You know? Yes. So, you know, here I am laying in a hospital bed, you know, um, dying according to the doctors. But I just begin to listen to the Lord and and obey the steps that He that He gave me to do. And so, as I as I begin to do those steps. Uh, and some some of those steps were just simply obeying things in His Word. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, then then my healing just began to manifest. Did you steadily improve as you obeyed the Holy Spirit? So at so at first, yeah, there was certain like my kidneys started working, uh, some other things started working in my body. Uh, the cancer was still there, um, but uh, you know we began to get hold of healing scriptures you know mm-hmm. we took all the yes. healing scriptures and put them on the hospital walls and and so i began to confess you know those scriptures out loud i begin to say i will live and not die and declare the works of the lord you know by jesus stripes i'm healed you know bless the lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits yes he forgives all my iniquities he heals all my diseases and so um so it was it was kind of during that time where i found proverbs 4 verse 20, which says, my son, attend to my words, you know, and my words are life, my words are health, and my words are medicine. And when I got a revelation of that, I realized, well, wait a minute, the doctors, they don't have any cure. The doctors, uh, you know, say this is, um, you know, impossible, it's incurable. There's nothing that the doctors can do. But here I see in the Bible, God says, that his word, our life, 
his words are medicine, you know, and his his you know his words are are health, and so it's at that point where I said, well, that's that's the next step is I need to take hold of his word, okay, and and I need to declare it and say it and. You know, just like the word says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Yes. And so for the first couple of days, though, I I was really, really out of it. I was tired. Um, you know, I was physically weak. Um, so so my mother would stand over me and she would like shake me and wake me up and say, you know, you, you know, you, you, you have to speak the word, you know. And so so um, thank God for her, you know. Yes. Uh, yes. She, she wasn't going to let me, uh, you know. And so, so we took hold of the word of God. We began to speak it and say it, and um, and um, and so uh, then we got a hold of Psalm ninety-one. We began to anyway. It was just uh, you know the Lord was just leading us. He was directing our steps, you know. And so um, there were days that you know I spent confessing the word. Sometimes taking one scripture verse. And saying it, you know, a thousand times in one day. Wow. Yes, yes. So let me ask you this question. Um, You were admitted to the one hospital, and then they they transferred you to the other one, and that's where the, this, unbelievable growth happened in this cancer that you had inside of you. Yeah, as the cancer progressed, um, and my kidneys had stopped working, uh, I'd initially given three days to live, and then uh, things had digressed so greatly that uh, the doctor uh, came and told my parents, I'll, I'll give your son 10 hours to live. Thank God for a a <laughs> praying mother who, as you said, refused the diagnosis and said, whose report are we going to believe? So you fought that for 10 days, 9 or 10 days later. What right. happened? And, and so during those 10 days, you know, the Lord was leading us. He was showing us new things in the Word. He was, he was talk, you know, showing us Mark 11, 23 and 24, if you would speak to the mountain. Yes. You know, um, then, you know, if you believe in your heart, the things that you say, the mountain shall be removed. He was talking to us about calling things that be not as though they are. And so I just was speaking to this tumor, right? I mean, I mean, this, I had this tumor that was, Ten inches in the amber, uh, but it, but it, but with all the fluid that filled up, it, it looked like I was nine months pregnant, or that I had a basketball-sized tumor. And so I just um, kept calling myself healed. I kept speaking to that cancer and I said, "Cancer in Jesus' name, I command you to die. Cancer, you not, you will not take my life. I speak to you in Jesus' name, and I take authority over you. And I say, in the name of Jesus, cancer, I command you." Every cell of cancer, I command you to die. I command you to go from my body, and I call my body healed by the stripes of Jesus. And so, um, so we were kind of working the word, so to speak. We were finding anything we could, you know, in the Bible, um, and um, and just obeying it and doing it. And so, um, so yes, so like ten days uh, passed, and the doctors couldn't figure out why I hadn't died. Okay. Um, because they had refused to try to treat me because they knew that I was in a, such a life-threatening sure. situation. Sure. My kidneys had, had um, stopped working and different things. And so uh, so, and 
so it was on about the tenth day that I woke up that morning and um I sat up in bed and I remember the nurse coming in and she said, How are you doing today? I said, I feel great <laughs> and, and that was not the the, the uh the response I think she was expecting. So she went out and got all these doctors, and they came in and they examined me and they pushed on my stomach and they said, "Does this hurt? Does that hurt?" I said, "No, I, I don't. I don't feel a thing." And and they were really perplexed. And so um, it was that afternoon I was taken down to get a CAT scan, and um, and then after the CAT scan, I came back to my room and my doctor walked in with this really unusual look on his face. And he just said, you know, we have no medical explanation for this, but um, you went down to see the radiologist, and the radiologist called me, and, they, and he said, you know, I, I don't find any cancer in this young man. So, wow. Whew. So he says, I'm holding the x-rays, and there's no evidence of cancer in your body. Man. So, Brian, did they acknowledge the fact that you were a miracle? I mean, what was what was the response? I'm, I, what was your response? <laughs> well, well, I think they were beyond the words because they had no um, explanation for it. You know, they were looking for something scientific. Sure. You know, and, and in fact, uh, they ended up assigning three different medical schools uh, to my case, uh, because, and they wanted those medical schools to see, you know, if they could check my blood work, my blood chemistry. What, you know, what was it scientifically, you know, that could have caused this to happen? And sure. So, so they were really, really perplexed about it, and so, um, and so, of course, we were rejoicing. Of we were course. Saying, Thank you, Lord. You know, you're the of Lord, course. our healer. Thank you, Jesus. And and so we we were. Um, we were excited. We were ready to leave the hospital. Let me stop you right there before you go any further, because some people listening may think, oh, wow, you know, glory to God. And yes, you're absolutely right. But that is not the end of this story. But let me take a quick second here and just tell everybody that Sid and I definitely want to let you know about this powerful and truly anointed resource package that you, Brian, have developed for those that are listening. It's your brand new book called 10 Hours to Live and brand new and exclusive three CD audio teaching series, Receive Your Healing. Now, you'll also get an insert card for your book or your Bible, like a bookmark, with many of the same scriptures that Brian used when he was receiving his healing. So be sure to listen for Sid at the end of the program, as usual, to find out how you can get this for yourself or for your family, for your study group, or even maybe for your church library. Okay, Brian, I said this was not the end of the story, and man, it certainly wasn't, was it? You're healed, completely healed, medically, scientifically. They saw it, and they said you have no evidence of disease. But what happened next? Well, um, the board of that hospital voted, and they were split 50-50 on what to do, whether to release me or whether to suggest that I, you know, take some type of treatment, you know, as a precaution. And so uh, the way it was presented to us is is that, you know, we could, I could undergo some treatment and just as a precaution if there was, you know, any cell of cancer or anything like that. And um so it was it was a, a kind of a heavy decision on us, um, but we just felt like the Lord was leading us, 
and um, we decided that we would, you know, go go with that. But you know, little did we know what we were, um, you know, in line for. Yes. And so, I was given, you know, seven different drugs and uh, and some radiation, and so. Um, and boy, you know, that was, that was when the, the battle really, really began because we did not know that the drugs had never been experimented with. And, but we just, you know, d- kept doing what we had been doing before. We kept standing on the Word of God. We kept declaring myself healed. And These were experimental. You said they hadn't been tested before, but this was something, I guess, I- I'm assuming an aggressive uh, treatment, chemotherapy yes. treatment, that they were going, okay, let's do this so that it, to assure that it doesn't come back because it was such a deadly cancer. Right. But it, here you were, uh, I'm feeling great, I'm healed. So now you were, you were being given these on a regular basis, these experimental chemotherapy treatments. Yeah, and we didn't know they were experimental at the time. Right. But okay. They told us later. When they started affecting your body again, and here you were struggling and, and really in the fight for your life again, you, you you said that on that on that floor, on that terminal ward that where they keep the people that don't survive, that that your mom and you made your own sanctuary there. and that would that would be the place that you would call your sanctuary while you were going through this time. Yes. Yes, and so we had scriptures, uh, we had music, praise and worship music, you know, going on, and so we decided we were going to make the hospital, our hospital room, like a sanctuary to the Lord, you know? Yes. Um, I believe that, you know, you can create an atmosphere for for God to move, and and God moves in atmospheres, and so uh, our room was was filled with worship, you know, our room was filled with um, um, scripture verses being played about healing, and, mm-hmm. and so we had the nurses to, you know, flip the tape over. Um, we, we, you know, and so, uh, so we had kind of consecrated this entire room, you know, uh, to the presence of, of the Lord. And so, uh, I remember one time we even had a doctor from another floor. Uh, he came in the middle of the night. Um, it was about ten or eleven o'clock at night, and a nurse had brought him down and. And the nurse said, to him, "Doctor, this is the this is the room I've been talking to you about." <laughs> and so, the doctor stood in the middle of our the room there, and he looked around. And he said, "Yeah, you're exactly right. I'm not a religious person, but it feels like a worship service in wow. here." So, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, it was important. We had to really, um, you know, one of the things that the, the Lord had really instructed me um, from the beginning. He said, if you allow yourself to think the same way and to speak the same way as everybody else on the floor, mm-hmm. you're going to get the exact same result. And I realized at that moment that sickness was not just a physical problem, but it was a thinking problem, you know. Yes. Um, and so I had to think correctly and I had to speak correctly. And that's what the Lord was really having us to do is to kind of find a little secret place, right? Sure. Um, You know, in the hospital, okay, and, you know, do everything that we would do as if we were, you know, uh, in church or at home um, or before the Lord, 
that 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 was our sanctuary before him. Yes, so. and Brian, did you experience? I mean, being on that that floor, and you said that that all the conversations you heard were about death and diagnosis and prognosis and all these things. Did you experience fear during that time? Yeah, the first uh, two weeks, I experienced an extreme amount of fear. You know, the Bible says fear has torment. Yes. And God's not given us the spirit of fear. And typically at nighttime, in the very beginning, um, it just, as soon as I would try to go to sleep at night, that, you know, fearful thoughts would come. And I'd have thoughts that, you know, I wasn't going to make it. And I was too young to die. And it was like the enemy was trying to show me my funeral and, and that sort of thing. And I knew that I had to, I had to fight against that, that I was going to have to defeat fear before I would defeat cancer. And so I would I would force myself to get up and, and turn on the light, and I would begin to take those scriptures. And I would say, God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I will live and not die Amen. and declare the works of the Lord. And by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. And so, so I would, I would, you know, take those fearful thoughts and replace it with faith-filled thoughts. Yes, you yes. Know, until I felt God's peace come over me, and then I would, you know, go back to sleep. Yes, yes. And so, yeah, so fear, you know, that's one of the things I think fear travels with every type of sickness. And, um, you know, I knew that I had to beat fear before I was going to beat cancer. Wow, that is a powerful statement for sure. So you you found that in your saying and speaking of the scriptures and thinking the correct thoughts, uh, positive words overriding the negative thoughts, that praise, praise was like a, you called it like a key to get out of your yes. prison. Yes. Well, the other thing that we fought in the natural being in that hospital was we had psychologists that would come in twice a day. And, you know, um, at first they looked at us, we had scriptures on the walls, and like they said, "What? What? What is this?" Right? You know, and we're like, "Well, this is the Bible. This is, you know, uh, we're we're a family who has faith in God, and you know, this is." They'd say, "You know, well, you know, how are you coping?" And we're saying, "Well, this is this is how we're coping, right?" And and so, um, so after several weeks of that, they they thought we had lost our marbles, you know, um, and and they thought we were in a state of denial that we were, you know, not you know, um, facing reality, you know, it's written in my medical journals that they said that I had psychological problems because I would only, you know, read the Bible every day and, yes. and I was believing for healing. So, yes. so, you know, this, I, I tell people, I didn't fight cancers at first as much, as much as I fought fear and then, and then fighting in a sense, you know, facing the, the medical scientific community. And so, um, so all of that was combined with the fact that I'm on this floor of death and everyone is dying around me. You know, we had no other choice but just to really close in with the Lord. And so I found praise as being one of the most powerful weapons that we, we possess as Christians. You know, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people, that that praise causes walls to fall, it causes chains to break, it causes prison doors to open. I mean, um, and so there's a spiritual force in praise. And so I decided one night I was going to get up 
and I was going to take uh, a victory lap. Mm, okay. And so, so, um, so I remember I got up and uh, I began to uh, walk the, the the hallway of the hospital. And as I passed the nurses' station, and you know, the first night it, it kind of spooked couple of the nurses they were like it's midnight are, are you okay is everything okay and I said yeah I'm, I'm fine and, and I had one hand lifted up you know and I they said well what are you what are you doing I said well I'm taking a victory lap and they said what I said you know like NASCAR you know yes. like when the when they win the race they take a victory lap and I said you know I'm praising God I'm pre-praising I'm praising him in advance you yes. know but I'm praising the Lord for the victory because I don't plan on staying here sick. I don't plan on dying here. I plan on, you know, I, I believe that by Jesus' stripes, I was healed and I am healed. And so I'm, I'm praising the Lord for his goodness and the fact that he is, he is the Lord, my healer. And so I, I, I start to do that each night, you know, and I begin to take what I call victory laps, you know? And so it was about the, 13th or 14th night that I had started to do that. And um, finally, one of the nurses said, hey, uh, we know what you're doing. You know, you're taking your victory lap. I said, that's <laughs> right. And, and I said, I said to them, so what's a victory lap? They said, oh, it's when you it's when you praise the Lord that he is the Lord, your healer. And I said, you're right. And so, um, so then the nurses started to catch on. And so one of them said to the other, they said, you know what, we're so tired of seeing people die in this place. Why don't we just join Brian and why don't we just start oh my. doing the victory laps? So then I had the, the nurses joining with me and, and doing victory laps. And so um so it it was great because, you know, they they had they got so tired of seeing people die too. And sure. They said, Well Brian, we're we want to see anybody get out of this place, it's gonna be you. So but there's power in praise. Yes. And, and praise brings God on the scene. Yes. You know, the scripture tells us that where there is no vision, you know, people perish. And so um, one of the things that I kept maintaining is that I, we, I, I kept a, a, a picture of, of myself healed. In other words, I had a picture right next to my bed, a photo of, you know, where I was healed, where I was playing tennis, and I kept that before me. And, and then and then more and more as I begin to get into the Word of God, you know, the Bible says that God's Word's like a mirror, you know, when mm, we look yes. into the perfect law of liberty. Yes. What, what we see in it will reflect back to us. What we behold is what we will be, become. And so um, that that picture of seeing myself healed it grew stronger and stronger on the inside. And that's when I realized that healing really starts on the inside, that I had to see myself healed um, first on the inside before I would be healed on the outside. I'd have to see myself walk out of the hospital first right. before I actually did walk out of the hospital. And so, um, and so I also realized that the enemy is always trying to distort yes. that picture. Yes. You know, he's always wanting you to fall back into sickness or how you feel or how things look. But you have to keep that vision and keep that picture, that image of victory and overcoming and the fact that you are healed, you know, 
even when you don't feel like it or look like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me about this. You said that so so. One day you're out of your bed, you lost your balance, and you fell. But by this time, you were literally so weak, you you could not get yourself back up. Yeah. Well, one of the things that the Lord showed us in the Bible was, uh, you know, that that uh, about joy. Of course, we know the joy of the Lord is their strength, but there's many scriptures about joy, how laughter doeth good like a medicine, and and uh, a merry heart has a continual feast. And, uh, and I remember my father, he would bring in a joke book, and we would just begin to, you know, have a few laughs. And uh, so one day I, I was getting sick from all the drugs, and I actually fell out of my bed, okay, and I was on the floor um, getting sick. And, and a nurse came in, and, and, you know, she came over to help me, and I just started I just started laughing, ha, 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 she's like, are you okay? I'm like, well, you know what, I might as well just laugh about it because, you know, um, you know, because even though um, I'd heard the saying that, you know, uh, you know, Satan can try to take your goods, but he can never steal your joy, okay, and so, I just said, ha, 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 um, this is just temporary. I'm going to make it. I'm going to get out of this hospital, and, and I'm healed in Jesus' name. So I just I just began to, you know, say, ha, 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 you know. And so um, so that was, that was one of the ways that we were able to face, you know, this situation, you know, in the midst of um, an atmosphere that was filled with hopelessness and, yes. and fear and sickness and death. Well, I know you kept up a very strong prayer time and a very regular prayer time while you were going through these horrible, horrible treatments during this time. And you said that that one day during your prayer time that God actually showed you a vision. Well, when we were attending to the to God's Word um, and just saying the Scripture verses over and over, uh, one day the Holy Spirit gave me a vision. And he showed me, you know, two pictures of water. One was a smaller pitcher. The other one was a larger pitcher. And the smaller pitcher was, was filled with, like, muddy, murky, murky kind of water. It was um, brownish. And, uh, and so the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, that pitcher that full of muddy water is, is like your body right now that's being attacked with sickness. But he said, but the larger picture represents my word, and it had, like, just pure water in it. And he said, if you'll take the larger picture, which represents my word, and keep pouring in to the smaller picture, it's like that law of displacement. Um, You know, the Scripture says it's the washing of the water of the word. So the more that we put the word in, it will dispel the sickness that's in our body. Yes. And so the Lord was encouraging me to keep, you know, attending to his words, that his words are life, his words are medicine, his words are healing and health. And so so I said, that's it. That's what I'm supposed to do. You know, I just keep attending to God's word and I just keep pouring it in and pouring it in. And over time, it's going to keep dispelling the sickness that's in my body. And Brian, I know that is exactly what you did. You continued, you continued, you continued, and eventually, 
all of that was was out of you. That sickness was out of you. The disease was out of you. The results of the treatments that you were taking was out of you, and you were free from that and released from the hospital. Let me take just a second here and tell folks once again that you're listening to the miraculous story of our guest today, Brian Wills. And Brian has prepared a resource package for you that is truly life-changing and for some of you, actually life-saving. So be sure to listen for Sid at the end of the program to find out how you can get Brian's brand new book, 10 Hours to Live, and his brand new and exclusive audio teaching series, Receive Your Healing. Also, we've included an insert card for you for your book or your Bible as you're reading, and you can refer to it with powerful healing scriptures. I believe that this is a must-have resource for yourself, maybe for your study group or for your church library. So, Brian, wow, you, you upped your game on pouring in the word. (laughs) I know. I mean, man, your body had been ravaged uh, while you were there for these months of taking these treatments. You upped your game on getting that scripture inside of you, and it was time to go home. So I want to fast forward a few months to when you went back for your your follow-up appointment. Yeah, so the doctors told me if I I went six months without, you know, anything— um, that virtually I would be, you know, cancer-free. I would be, you know, in the, in their minds, um, they would, you know, they I would be healed. Okay, so so on my six-month checkup, uh, I went back for the appointment, and um, of course everything was fine. I checked out fine, and um, but I had another doctor who examined me, and he said, you know, Brian, he said that I have something I need to admit to you. Um, he said on behalf of the this hospital, he said, uh, we treated you with seven different drugs, and we had never researched them before. They were all experimental. And so after uh, now, after time uh, that we've had to be able to reach the, research them in the laboratory as well as on other patients, we've come to realize that they, those seven drugs, they don't even treat Burkitt's lymphoma. But, but secondly... Um, everyone that we've given these drugs to have died from the drugs, not from the cancer, hmm. except for you. <laughs> and so it's almost like you have a double miracle, all right? Not only were you healed without any medical evidence or explanation from the cancer, but you were also you know, healed from you know, essentially all the drugs that we gave to you. Uh, because all the drugs were so lethal, they had killed everybody else that we gave them to. Man. Brian, are you saying that you are the only survivor at this time of this cancer and these drugs that they give? Um, I was the only survivor of, uh, of a person who went through that treatment you know, that year. Um, of course, that was a number of years ago. Yes, yes. And um, very fast-growing cancer. And, you know, there have been other survivors to this day. But um, Yes, as they learned more, I guess. I was the only survivor who lived from the 13th floor that year. Everybody else who received treatments, who came and who were on that 13th floor, they all died, and I was the only survivor. Not only that, but I was the only 
survivor of this type of protocol from Burkitt's lymphoma. And so to God be all the glory. Yes, yes. Brian, is this why you wrote your book, 10 Hours to Live? What, why, if, if somebody said, hey, why, why'd you write that book? What would you say? Well, I like the scripture verse in Mark ten twenty seven. It says, Jesus said, with, there, with, with men there are things that are impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And I want people to know that we serve a God of the impossible, that everything, all things are possible with God. And, um, you know, I know this, that what God did for me, he'll also do for other people, that God has no respect to a person. And so I'm so thankful today that we serve a God who heals. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the first part of the book is my testimony, how I survived this deadly cancer. But the, the second part of the book is the steps that the Holy Spirit gave us. And so I, I just know that God will do for you what he did for me. And, uh, you know, when Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago, uh, he not only uh, took our sins, but he also bore our sicknesses. He carried our diseases. And, and by his stripes, you know, we were healed. Yes. And so the good news for everybody listening is that Jesus is the healer, and he'll do the same for you as he did for me. Yes, yes. And and he gave you the steps, and not just not just the steps that the Holy Spirit gave you for, you know, the forgiveness and the tithe, but, but all through your book, you have steps that God showed you and gave you to to complete this healing in your body. You would be a pretty selfish person if you kept those steps to yourself, wouldn't you, Brian? <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, um, and when I noticed in the Bible that the, to follow the steps of Abraham, God, God gave Abraham steps as well. So um, I think a lot of times, um, you know, God will give people steps to take, and obviously it's the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us and gives us the steps, sure. you know, to receive healing. Well, you know what? When uh, when you left that hospital that day after your follow-up appointment and they admitted to you, you not only had one miracle, but you had two miracles. Shortly after that, you you actually got an opportunity to fulfill that dream that you had had the year before. What did you do? Yes, so I was able to get back to um, playing tennis, and I was able to go to Europe and uh, spend several months, you know, playing professional tennis. So, so in a sense, I fulfilled, you know, my dream that I'd had since I was very young. Um, and um, and during that time, I the Lord just be really began to change my priorities, and I knew that God had given me a second chance. And that I promised the Lord that if he would heal me, if he would get me out of that situation that I've been in, that I would do whatever he wanted me to do and yes. go wherever he wanted me to go to. And so I set out to find out whatever God had for my life and to find out, you know, his will for my life. And and that's when he, the Lord spoke to me. He said, listen, you've had a dream that you've set out to do for for much of your life, but I want you to know that I have a dream that's even better for you that I have for you. And so, so it's really since that time that, you know, I've been, um, my wife and I went to Bible school and, 
and now we've been traveling and been been, been in ministry and and so um, it's been a joy to go all over the world and tell people about Jesus that Jesus is their savior that Jesus is their healer and so we've just um, we've just uh, it's just it's just been an amazing amazing journey that the, that the Lord has put us in and so we've been able to travel into a lot of different nations and right now the Lord has called us to reach the Muslim world and bring Muslims to Jesus Christ and so um, we also hold you know healing trainings and I like to go to a lot of the college campuses and sure. show young people the reality of the power of God and you know and so I've been to a lot of different college campuses we've seen miracles and we've seen God just move tremendously yes yes when I realized I'd given a choice um, between tennis or fulfilling whatever God had for my life I knew that you know tennis tennis was fun but um, I had promised the Lord that I would do whatever you wanted me to do and I realized that you know people uh, just like I had been in the hospital that people were dying people were sick um, and people were in places where they felt hopeless and so I wanted to do everything that I could uh, to to go and to help people who are sick and and, and even greater than that, than to see Jesus, the healer, you know, manifest in their lives. And so that what Jesus did for me, he would also do for them. And so I knew that uh, the steps that the Lord had given me, uh, that I could also impart those same steps to other people to get them healed. This is something that, that you teach. It's not information about God that gets you healed. What What is it? Yeah, you're right. It's not just information about God, but it's really knowing who God is. And when you declare Jesus your healer, then Jesus will become to you who you declare him to be. But oftentimes people uh, have only seen Jesus as their Savior. And, And so I encourage people to say, Jesus, you are my healer, because he will become to you who you declare him to be. It's not just knowing about God. It's knowing really who he is his nature, his character, you know, who who he really is. And so when you begin to know who he is, then you realize, wow, um, I can receive everything that he has um, purchased for me. Yes, yes. Yes, the revelation of God the healer is not information about God, but it's revelation of God, of who God is. And that's the path to healing. So, Brian, when, when you were in that hospital for months there taking those treatments, why was it so important for you and your mom to continually speak those scriptures, even when you said, she said, no, what? no, Brian, Brian, you have to say it out loud. Well, the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And it also says that the tongue, even though it's a small member, it's like the rudder of a ship. And so when I realized the importance of words and speaking the right words, um, you know, words are powerful. Words are creative. You know, that's how God created this universe is through the spoken word. And as I began to study the ministry of Jesus as well as other um, other people in the Bible, I realized that every miracle involves words. And God needs words in order to have a legal right to move in our life. And so as we speak God's words, all right, God's words are powerful. God's words are life. Jesus said, my words are spirit, they are life. 
Yes, yes. What about going to the doctor? Should we go to the doctor when we're sick? We know Jesus said even those who are sick need a physician. So uh, it's not really going to a doctor or not going to a doctor. I mean, I believe that doctors and medicine can be a helps ministry to Jesus's ministry, but it's really who your trust is in. Um, and sometimes, sometimes people um, have questions about these things. They're like, should I go to the doctor? Or sometimes they even get in fear of going to the doctor. But I always tell them, don't be in fear. Just go to the doctor, find out what the doctor says so that you can use your faith against it. Yes. Uh, and so our faith doesn't rest in what the doctor says uh, or what man says, uh, what the test results reveal, but it, it isn't what God said. And so we have to keep our trust in God. Uh, and if someone receives a negative report, then, then go to God and worship and pray and remember his word. Pray in the spirit and believe God's report over any other report. And also read the steps uh, that are in my book. God has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies, and we can live long and enjoy the goodness of God. Amen. Wow. Amen. Brian, thank you for being with us today. Would you take just a moment and pray for those that are listening before we leave? Sure. Sure. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. And Lord, I thank you for every person who's listening to this podcast. And Lord, I pray for those that are sick. And Lord, I release the anointing, the power of God to flow into their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I command all sickness, all depression, all fear, all infirmity to leave their bodies right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I, I stretch out my hands towards those who are listening. And I uh, and I pray that 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 the healing anointing, the healing power of God, would go through every cell, every bone, every organ, every part of their body. Lord, we speak a healing and a cure over every single one. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the Lord, our physician. You are the Lord, our healer. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. And now here's Sid Roth to tell you how you can get this powerful, powerful resource package from our guest, Brian Wills. Sid? I give him 10 hours to live, is what the doctor said after diagnosing 22-year-old Brian Wills with one of the deadliest and fastest-growing cancers, Burkitt's lymphoma. No cure. No hope, the end. But Brian faced and defeated this attack to receive a miracle healing and full recovery by following the life-saving steps that God showed him. And now, Brian wants to teach you the same supernatural steps to receive your healing. You can get Brian's brand new book, 10 Hours to Live, and his brand new and exclusive audio teaching series, Receive Your Healing, and you'll also get an insert card for your book or your Bible filled with many of the same scriptures that Brian used to receive his healing, all for an investment of only 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447 2697. Once again, that's 1 800 447 2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. Sid, 
Roth, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9744. Once again, that's offer number 9744.